0: If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with SURF. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I wanna put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. Hey everyone, welcome to part three of accelerating your SaaS selling results and career in 2022. This is a mini series within the podcast, all on the topic of how to set yourself up for success next year, both in terms of your selling results as well as your career goals and this is again part three so part one focused on record earnings earning as much as you possibly can in this business and breaking your own personal records don't compare yourself to other people but only focus on doing better than you did last year is sort of my approach to that and i break down some ideas in that part one on how to get there Part two actually covered those out there who are listening who are not currently in SaaS sales but wanna transition into SaaS sales from another industry. So I shared what I would do if I were starting over again today, knowing what I know about the industry and about how to land opportunities in the industry. The ex, You know, more or less the exact approach I would take to, to break back into SaaS sales. Today, I'm gonna focus on something that might sound a little bit more broad and I'm gonna have to just try to throw out a bunch of ideas but essentially, I wanted to say, uh, you know, wanted to share some ideas around career management, and uh, you know, owning your career path, and getting yourself from point A to point B in your SaaS journey, right? So, I know many of you out there are listening, and it may be your first year in SaaS sales. Maybe you're an SDR or a BDR. Uh, maybe you're at a big company. Maybe you're at a startup but maybe you're an account executive and you're looking to break into the management suite and you want to manage a team of sellers or a team of SDRs. Maybe you want to get out of sales completely and you want to transition from SaaS sales into SaaS marketing or SaaS customer service or success or some other form of operational leadership or enablement or revenue operations or something along those lines. So, uh, I'm just going to kind of again spitball here. I'm once again pretty wired up today with lots of caffeine and uh, post-workout here, so pardon the the word salad and uh, the the speed in which I'm sharing these ideas. But I wanna just try to put these out here, regardless of where you are in your SaaS journey, I want you to find something that you can take away from this episode that will help put you on the path to success in the industry. And I'm gonna draw from you know my own personal career, my own insights, just my own observations, watching some of my peers move on in their careers as well and get promoted into leadership positions. Uh, or crush quotas, or get out of the SDR world and into a selling world. Um, So yeah, let's let's get started here with just a couple of ideas. So one of my biggest pieces of advice for anyone out there, and this is something that I put into practice myself, and you have to be careful because it can be a little bit of a two-edged sword or a double-edged sword. Don't be taken advantage of by anyone. So you have to sort of look at your own current situation, your leadership, your company culture, and those kind of things, and then uh, you know, tread forward accordingly. So, one of the things that I had the philosophy of early in my career, and, and what many of you may or may not know about me, is that I spent uh, a little bit of time in a management role, where you know, for the first time around, I was managing a small team inside of a startup, and then uh, went on to a bigger company and actually managed a, a larger team there as well. And I hung up the the leadership. Uh, what do you want to call it, the leadership mantle at one point and decided that I wanted to jump back into being a sales executive and account executive and just focus on increasing my earnings because I'm passionate about growing my net worth and investing and putting my family on a path to financial freedom. and. I observed that some of the highest earners in SaaS tend to just be sales reps. They're not necessarily the managers. I think that's you know a generalization, and there's obviously managers out there that do incredibly well, uh, especially in terms of their equity positions in a lot of startups. Uh, but from a you know commission standpoint and an upside standpoint, sometimes it pays to just stay in a contributor seat and be uh, you know a frontline seller in an enterprise or a, a mid market role. So I, you know, again, kind of hung up the, the role of of manager, but what I, why I'm glad I did it and I, you know, had a goal to get it out of the way, get it out of the way sounds negative, but I had a goal to to check that off of a list pretty early in my career because I also wanted to understand how leaders think because I felt like I could actually sell better to, you know, decision makers and leaders if I had some operational context and some ideas around, how they make decisions, and how they purchase software, and how they manage their people and their resources and their timelines and those kind of things. So I'm I'm glad I had those that, that, those experiences, and I'm just going to share something that I did in the first role because I'm sure a lot of you out there wonder, you know, how do you break the wall between being a contributor to becoming a manager? And it's you know I'm probably not the most qualified person to talk about this either. There's at some point I'm going to have to have someone on the show that has successfully done this and has a, a framework for how to position yourself as a leader in a company and move yourself out of a contributor seat into a leadership seat you know, very effectively or quickly. But w- what I did do, and you know, I was in a, an early stage startup, so it was a little bit easier to get the attention of my senior executives, and specifically in this case, my CEO. Who not only worked in the same office that I was in in Austin, but sat next to me. So it's really easy to get you know a quote unquote promotion when your desk is right next to the CEOs. And that was you know still one of the most valuable aspects of my career, one of the most valuable points in my career, I should say, and I've, I know I've talked about this on prior episodes. But if you ever do get a chance to sit next to the CEO of your company, uh, I would highly recommend that. Uh, it's rare nowadays with COVID, but someday I think that that opportunity will present itself again uh, in abundance. So hopefully, you know, someday you have a chance to either sit next to your VP of Sales uh, or your CEO in an office somewhere. It's a, a strange world we live in where that's you know not the norm anymore uh, for an early startup. But anyhow, I uh, basically just sort of started doing the job of, of leader and. What I mean by that is, and by the way, I wasn't playing big brother to my colleagues, my peers on the team. I wasn't tracking other people's metrics or anything like that. I wasn't doing, you know, management spreadsheets or trying to, you know, fully assert myself into some of the management activities. But what I did do was focused heavily on understanding my own personal performance and documenting my results in a way that I could convey up to management that I had a formula for how to document results and how to create consistency and predictability in the business. A lot of big words, uh, you know. I wanna break that down a little bit more. So what I started doing in that role is just started keeping really good notes uh, had a, you know, a couple of spreadsheets that I just used for myself personally that showed my metrics and, and my capacity. Uh, and then a huge skill when it comes to wanting to be in a leadership position is command and control, which is, you know, it's one thing to, to come in as a leader and say, I'm going to hit $500 million in revenue this year. And then you miss by like some ridiculous percentage. That's not really good leadership. Uh, it's probably better to set a really conservative or low goal and overachieve against that, and you know maybe that's not even good either. I think the the best practice is to try to hit as cl- you know try to do what you say you're going to do, and come in as closely uh, as close as possible to what you've committed or forecasted. So, forecasting I think is a huge skill, and you can start in your own pipeline. Start managing your own pipeline in a way that stands out from your peers and you know maybe you put more detailed notes than your peers in there maybe you manage with a certain formula that says if i think something's going to close on january 30th i'm going to add two weeks just because you know that's probably more likely knowing our business and so you can weave all kinds of insights into your own personal pipeline and your own book of business and start to really position yourself as someone who knows how to forecast well someone who knows how to have command and control which again is I'm going to set a target and I'm going to come in almost exactly on that target. Not more, not less. And I'm also not going to set a crazy aggressive goal just to try to impress everybody. So these are just some of the small habits you can start to get into. And a few other things that I did to sort of stand out myself to to position myself as a leader was, uh, you know, again, just started kind of doing some of the tasks that management didn't like to do. Uh, I would put together a slide deck at the end of every quarter showcasing what I'd achieved. And my CEO and the VP of sales at that company loved it because they came in and said, wait, we could just drop this right into our uh, investor deck that we present at the end of the quarter. So again, starting to kind of build some of the habits that top managers are already doing and starting to just basically do the job that you want in a you know tactful and strategic way don't you know start showing up to management meetings without being invited i wouldn't recommend that Uh, you could certainly ask your leadership if you can shadow uh you know some of the leadership team and sit in as a fly on the wall on certain meetings especially if you're in an early startup and one of the you know sort of luxuries that i've had working in early startups is i was invited to attend board meetings and sit in as a fly on the wall in a board meeting where uh, the leadership went around and reported on results and forecasted for the next quarter or the next year And some of those experiences, I I just can't even put a price on because I learned more about business in those meetings than I have in, you know, other roles. So if you can put yourself in a position and just don't be afraid to ask, you know, go ask your leadership, how you can get more involved, start having the conversation and start putting it out there that leadership is something that you're interested in doing you know, again, assuming that's what your career path is. So I started there with, you know, contributors who want to jump into a leadership role there's a handful of great books like high output management that I recommend checking out the hard thing about hard things. Uh, go read a couple of those, those books, great management books. There's many, many others. I think I recommended on a previous episode, uh, measure what matters, uh, or sorry, not measure what matters. It's the John Doer one It used to be on my desk and now I've lost it. Um, anyhow go and look up a couple of the best leadership books and you know start to kind of understand how operators and and leaders think about business and if that's your goal go and slowly start to do some of the activities in your day-to-day that will start to show through to your leadership that you are leadership or management material right and you know again take it slow and set your expectations accordingly you may not get promoted to, to manage a team overnight. It might take some time. You may have to negotiate a path, but also be talking about it and expressing it as a goal because it won't happen if you don't talk to your leadership about your interests. Because I think a lot of sales leaders in this business just assume, they assume that there's a good number of people that just wanna stay in a contributor seat and make big W2s and you know crush quota and manage their own book of business and clock out at the end of the day when their deals have closed and they're at number, right? So be, you know, again, expressive of it, be intentional about it, uh, but also be kind of tactful. You don't want to rub anyone the wrong way. You don't want to threaten anybody. Um, again, I'm probably not the most uh, qualified person to talk about things like, you know, company politics and how to, you know, level or sorry, manage up is the word that that you hear a lot is, you know, being able to, to learn the game of working with your leadership above you. I think I've learned enough as a contributor how to do that, but it's an area where I think I could still learn a lot more about managing up. And then, of course, the you know the fundamentals of or the principles of managing beneath you, which is your direct reports. How do you be a good coach and leader, and how do you set the right expectations and work with all the nuances of dealing with people? So, if your goal in 2022 is to move from contributor to leader, uh, hopefully that was helpful. A Couple of book ideas. Uh, reach out if I can, you know, be of more guidance uh, around that. And again, I have relatively limited experience. I've not been a you know executive leader. At a big company or anything like that but did manage a team twice in in my career and enjoyed the experience for what it was but right now i'm heavily focused on growing this podcast and of course hitting my numbers as a contributor and uh you know breaking my own personal records so maybe your goal is to move out of being an sdr into a closer or account executive role And I imagine there's a lot of you out there who are starting out, you're just focused on setting meetings and generating pipeline and you're wondering how to break out of the SDR pit, as I call it, into a selling and contributing role. And here's my advice, having done that also in my career, is start doing the job. And it's the same principle that works for moving from a contributor to a manager as it is SDR to account executive. Start acting and thinking and working like an account executive what do I mean by that? So I would, you know, make a habit of attending a good amount of the calls that you're setting up for your team. Uh, You're probably setting meetings for your field team. And I know in some cases SDRs will set the meeting up and they'll intro the call and then they'll drop off or something, or maybe they don't even ever attend that initial call. And then maybe they don't attend any of the subsequent calls, the demo calls or, you know, negotiation on the contract type calls. I would budget yourself some time to stay connected to the opportunities that you're generating, that's gonna be the most rewarding for you because one, you started that initial conversation and it's gonna feel really good to see that progress through the pipeline. And so what I've seen that the best SDRs do in my career is again, stay connected to that, continue offering value to the field sales team, which means if a prospect goes quiet on you, maybe you can go and re-engage that individual uh, as you did in the first place and leverage that relationship I would, you know, definitely connect with everybody you set meetings with on LinkedIn and try to nurture actual business relationships from that. You're in a, you know, great spot because you can really build your network and your, you know, quote-unquote Rolodex out by focusing on building a, a footprint of people that you've set meetings with and generated pipeline around generated pipeline around, excuse me. So I would, you know, again, just think like an AE, start to, you know, think about forecasting your own results. A lot of SDRs don't think to do this. How can I forecast? Like if I set four meetings last month, how can I aim for eight this month? Right. And, you know, I know June might be slow. So I'm going to, again, command and control. I'm going to level set and create expectations that are reasonable. And I'm going to come in as close as I can to the number that I say I'm going to hit. So how do you forecast your year in terms of meeting set? And then you can kind of work backwards. How many calls do I need to make in order to get that number of meetings? How many emails do I need to send to get that number of meetings? So there's all kinds of things you can do to start basically pretending, I shouldn't say pretending, um, but basically putting yourself into the AE role before you actually have the title. And all of these things are sort of putting it out there. And, you know, It's difficult because sometimes it can feel like the the work that you're doing or the effort that you're putting in doesn't get recognized. But I promise that leadership notices who, who on the team is acting like the person in the next role, right? So which of the SDRs are acting like AEs? They do notice those things. Sometimes it feels like they don't. But I promise leadership has a very, in most companies, leadership has a very keen eye on who is Forming the habits and creating the consistency, and you know looking ahead to what their next role is in the company. And again, whether that's moving from SDR to to seller, closer AE, or moving from AE to uh, strategic AE or moving from you know any of those positions to a management or leadership position. So pretty much the same advice. And I'm trying to think here just spitball a few other ideas for SDRs. Start to maybe have skip level meetings. It's not a bad idea if you have a big field team to start to network with the the managers of those regional teams. Who are you ultimately serving as an SDR? Are you feeding meetings over to the East Coast team? And should you get to know the East Coast Regional Director and the East Coast Vice President of Sales? Uh, You know, get some face time with the Executive Vice President of Sales and express those goals if you can. Um, But make sure, you know, you're putting up consistent results and that you're also driving towards what you say you're going to hit. So that's one of the biggest and most important skills in business is being able to have, again, command and control is the the way I've heard it referred to, but being able to set a goal, but achieve that goal. Not over, not under, Uh, you know, if you go far over, I don't think you're gonna get a huge slap on the wrist, but it's a huge, or it's a really great quality if you can come in and say, I'm gonna hit X and you hit X. Uh, If you say, I'm gonna hit X and you hit X times Y or X plus Y, 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 it's just different, right? It's, you know, you didn't really have that much control or span of control over what you were doing and you threw a big number out there and you might've got lucky, right? So think about your career in those terms. And then, you know, a few other pieces of advice, especially for anyone who's maybe in SaaS sales and wants to transition to something else, start, you know, networking within your organization, find time to shadow people that are doing things that you find interesting, things that you wanna be working on yourself, uh, a few other ideas for managing your your career is you have to think about it like an investor. This is a theme that i'm I, I think about all the time. I've always approached my career as an investor. And my time is an asset. my you know income is an asset, and my skill set is an asset. And if I'm not leveraging all of those things, then it's time to either move to a new company or you know move on to a new position or something like that. And so you have to evaluate your own personal situation and decide, Am I going to grow in this organization? Am I achieving the numbers uh, that I, you know, have set out to achieve? Am I being realistic about it? Do I have that span of control over what I'm accomplishing? And if you're not, then I think it's a good time to evaluate, have some conversations with your leadership team, let them know, you know, what you're trying and intending to do. And, you know, again, kind of look into your own personal situation and decide what makes the most sense for you. So, uh, you know, managing it like an investor and, you know, picking the, the right SaaS company that fits with your personality, that fits with your interests and your passions and has a culture that you feel like you can be yourself in and you feel like you have that authority and autonomy to go out and actually achieve the, the results that you're trying to achieve and the, and the numbers that you're trying to hit, right? So thinking like an investor and then, uh, you know... Building up your operator skill set is also something that I've invested time in. What I mean by that is probably doesn't hurt to go and learn a little bit of excel if that's a weak point for you if you don't know a lot about excel go and take a free course there's probably tons of them out there i think there's people on like youtube and TikTok that do excel training courses go learn just a little bit about excel because regardless of your role in a SaaS company knowing how to build a spreadsheet and a capacity plan or a forecast plan or a pipeline generation model or something like that is not going to hurt you at all in fact uh, the the ones that know Excel in this business, I think really stand out to, to leadership and it will also help you better manage your performance and your results and your assets, frankly. So go learn a little bit of Excel, go learn, uh, you know, a little bit of like Microsoft Office, I guess, you know, Doc or Google Docs, uh, you know, Microsoft uh, Word and PowerPoint skills. It's good to have some some PowerPoint skills that will help you with your presentation and being engaging and interesting. Someone I recommend for PowerPoint is Guy Kawasaki has the 10-20-30 rule. I'm not gonna get all into it right now, but you can go read his blog post on the 10-20-30 rule for PowerPoints. And go read that. And there's another one out there that's the best sales presentation I've ever seen by, I think his name's Andy Raskin. And he has basically this Template from a company called Zora on the best sales deck that he'd ever laid eyes on. He's like a content creator, and he works with a lot of the top te- uh, tech companies to generate their blogs and other, you know, assets, if you will. So, a couple of those skill sets, yeah, uh, Excel, some business operational skill sets, learn some systems, you know, have a good understanding of tools and and some of the technologies out there that operators use. Uh, the other thing is, and it just escaped me, um, Excel. LinkedIn, I think you know, keep using LinkedIn because that's going to help you have, uh, you know, following the, the right thought leaders on LinkedIn will help give you insight into where the the, the industry is going. Uh, you know, get on there and start networking with other sellers in in different corners of the SaaS industry because you never know when those relationships might come full circle and you might find yourself with uh, you know a really awesome career opportunity. Uh, learn a little bit about investing uh, in, or I should say, learn a little bit about startup equity and, and how SaaS companies are, value, uh, are valued and how stock works or, or options work in a SaaS startup. There's a bunch of resources out there for that. I recommend Corey Bray. Uh, he wrote a really interesting blog post a few years back on startup equity. So go check that out. And you know have a good understanding of how businesses grow in the SaaS industry as well. So just again, Sasser is a great resource for this. That's Jason Limkin's blog. I read a ton if you can't tell, and I have over the years of my career and it's always ended up paying off. So the last thing I'm going to focus on here, and I think I touched on this on an episode here recently, it might've been one of these other mini series episodes was improving your writing skills and your speaking skills. And one of the ways that I do this is through reading a lot of books. It expands your vocabulary. It, It sort of opens your mind to new ways of saying things and new ways of communicating things. Another way that I've honed in this skill because I wanted to improve the way that I enunciate and speak. I've started this podcast as a way to sort of eliminate some of my verbal fillers that I had and speak more clearly and concisely about things. It doesn't always come out that way, especially if I've had too much caffeine. But it has—it's very much helped over the years uh, that I've been doing the show. Now I should say year that I've been doing the show. Now uh, it's helped me speak a little more clearly, slow down a little bit more generally, and you know communicate concepts in a way that people can understand. So reading, uh, you know, writing, practice your writing skills. Try to be as concise as possible. Uh, an exercise that I do is when I write an email, typically a prospecting email or an email out to someone who I'm in a deal cycle with, I'll stop and look it over and, and my exercises I go through and I say, is there anything I can trim out of this that's just sort of fluff or filler? And my I, my my rationale behind this is the the executives that I sell to don't have time to read a big wall of text. They just don't, and most of them are going to read my email on their cell phone really quickly. They may not. They may not even open the email. They might just open up their iPhone, and look at the sort of first line of the email and decide if it's worth opening further and responding to or not. Right. So a habit that I get into is going through, looking at the you know email that I've put together and clipping out any words that just don't that aren't needed. It, you know the, maybe the the email is understood without those words. Maybe I'm just putting fluff in there or filler words in there just to just because that's sort of how we're trained to write. And again, there's tons of copywriting courses you can take. There's books. Uh, it's something that I've studied. There's a, a really great, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the series. Uh, Neville Medora is someone that you could follow who does the copywriting course with a K. And uh, I think his course is a couple hundred bucks and you can learn some of the skills of copywriting. He has an email list too that I'm subscribed to. And I get his, you know, sort of, I think weekly updates on copywriting skills, but it's a huge uh, advantage if you know how to write well and concise and clear, and you can get the attention of your buyers, your prospects, your leadership, uh, your decision makers and all that. That was a lot. Hopefully that's helpful to everyone out there. These are just some some techniques, some ideas based on my own personal experience, as well as that of my my peers in the industry. And uh, I wish everyone the best of luck in 2022 in managing their SaaS sales career, wherever you're at, reach out if I can be helpful and happy new year.